When you're a teenager and in your early 20s, everybody tells you what you should aspire to. When you get into your mid-30s and, and late, later 30s, you start to achieve those things. And they don't mean anything like as much as everybody told you they would. Hi everyone, welcome to the Stay Hungry podcast. Today, I'm talking about avoiding the midlife crash with Nick Feeney. Nick Feeney, this guy is on fire. Welcome to the Stay Hungry podcast. Love that. I'm still bopping to that music. That's pretty damn cool, isn't it? I'm pleased with it. But then if I said to you, have you seen The Greatest Showman? It, yeah. it, kind, of, it kind of takes away the rocky edge. I love The Greatest Showman. Really, yeah, yeah. really love it. Fantastic storyline and so emotive. But listen, thanks for having me, Joel. You're welcome. You're welcome. So um, for the uninitiated, Who's Nick Feeney and what is This Guy Is On Fire? Ooh, Nick Feeney. I'm a, do you know what? I'm a 50-year-old man. I'm a dad. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Um, I'm COO, co-founder of a coaching company. Uh, one's called This Girl Is On Fire, uh, which I run with my wife, Andrea. And um, the other one is This Guy Is On Fire. Um, which we look after the male side. And on both of them, basically, we help men and women in midlife feel great about themselves. Nice. Okay. So forgive my ignorance. What's, uh, what's the issue with midlife? Do you know what? We were talking about this last night. I, it's so funny that adults do have such an issue with midlife. And it's so variant. And there's so many reasons why. Um, you've got the common one where they call it a midlife crisis where something generally happens to you, be it um, a change in your job, a change in your family surroundings, someone dies, someone close to you dies. And basically, you just start realising that life is finite and you're busy plugging away especially with men you're busy plugging away hitting that goal chasing that dream whatever that car is you want or the watch it is that you're trying to buy and then all of a sudden you realize that where you are in life is not where you want to be you're not quite sure how you got there yeah but what you know is you don't want another 10 15 20 years of this you're not quite sure what you do want, but you definitely don't know. Uh, sorry, know what you don't want. That's really interesting. So I'm like uh, a 45 year old man trapped in a 35 year old man's body, and um, one of the things I've really noticed is when you're a teenager and in your early 20s, everybody tells you what you should aspire to, and then um, when you get into your mid 30s and, and late later 30s, you start to achieve those things. And they don't mean anything like as much as everybody told you they would. I think the thing with that, Joe, is, is, is two things. It is, you know, we're, we're asked to make two really important decisions when we're quite young. Is What do you want to do for the rest of your life and who do you want to do it with? And you, you only know what you know. So some of those decisions that you make are based on your environment, the people in that environment and things that are said to you. And then you start pushing through and thinking, yeah, this is what I want. This is what I want to be. And remember, you you base that on what you knew. And as you start progressing in there, you know more, but you don't always ask yourself the question again. Oh, 
what do I want? Do I want to do it with this person? So you get to a point, whether that's midlife or even a point of success. And one of the things you never do, and I'm definitely, you know, I've done this myself, is you never plan what that's even going to look like. You might go, yeah, I'm going to have a big house, a big car, whatever it is that you want, those material things. Um, But you never know what you're going to do when you get there. And I think that's the thing with midlife. We spend a lot of our sort of young teens um, being told by our parents and our teachers that we need to work hard to aspire to something, like you just said. And then we go and get those jobs, and we've got people around us going, oh, my God, that's amazing. What next? What next? Are you going to go for that promotion? What next? What next? And then we just we get to a point where we think, oh, my God, what is next? I've done all these things. And funny enough, it happens more and more with really successful people that they've done all these things, but they feel so empty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think um, a lot of our listeners will be like high drive, high performance people. Um, And it isn't. It's not the end goal that fulfills them. It's the journey, but they, some of them don't know that yet. Well, do you know what the funny thing is, Joel, is if you ask them, they would say, yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. It's the output, not the outcome, uh, or it's to enjoy the process uh, or enjoy the climb, whatever way you phrase it. But it is the same way that we all know that our health is so important, yet we don't actually do anything that suggests that we value the importance of our health. And, and that is the same thing with everyone knows really what they need to do, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. But their actions are not aligned. And it, and, and it generally takes, especially again for men, a bit of a car crash in life a challenge on their identity before they start taking that seriously and then start looking at doing something about it. And the biggest issue that I found with the people that I coach, typically men will keep pushing through, keep pushing through and, oh, it sort itself out. Everything will be all great when I don't have to pay for the kids in private store anymore. Or everything will be great when I get that promotion or whatever it is. But what they don't realise is it's not just money that compounds, it's those behaviours and those habits, good and bad, that end up compounding to the point of when they go and break. And it's sad to say that the biggest killer of men in their in their 40s is themselves, where they get to a point where they feel so trapped in everything that they've done to get to where they are. Success, successful or not, and they feel that the only way out of this is by taking their own life, which is which is tragic. On that kind of note, what makes you qualified to talk about this? Well, can I swear? What a transition! Uh, yeah, yeah, swear away. <laughs> well, because because ten years ago, I was exactly the guy I was. I'm just I'm talking to you about describing you. You know, my world imploded i was a guy chasing all the big dreams and every time i hit one it's like next 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 um i was pushing myself i was turning into something that i really didn't 
feel comfortable in being just to achieve all these things that I wanted to achieve that I thought would fulfill me. And um, basically, my world came crashing down. I, I burnt out. I got divorced. I got a life-changing heart condition. Um, at the time, I was hiding behind a lot of drink and drugs. Um, I lost my business. I went from earning a very healthy six figures a year to nothing. And literally, it's because I kept pushing through, kept thinking um, that everything would be all right when. And then when everything wasn't all right, thankfully, I had the awareness in myself that I needed help. And I sought out an amazing therapist and an amazing coach. And then I spent the next two and a half years seeing them every week for two and a half years to help me get through this uh, and to help me work on the promise I made to myself those 10 years ago was to be a better man. You know, I yeah. knew there were things I'd, I'd mucked up on. I had to take responsibility for who I was and who I wasn't. Uh, then work out what I needed to do to become a better person. And, and that's something that I stand by now. Uh, I do it every day. Um, and since then, I've had, God, I've been working it out the other week. I've had nearly 200 hours of, of coaching and therapy on my own personal journey. Uh, I've invested nearly £60,000 uh, on coaches and mentors and my own training to hone my existence, my mess, and turn it into a message that can help other men um, going through the same sort of things that I went through. And here's the thing. What I love about what I do, and this is the world that we live in, is I can save these men years of their lives, let alone the financial, emotional, and physical impact of their midlife imploding. And that, to me, is, is what I love. You know, you, I know you read lots of good books, Joel, and it's like when you read someone's journey over 20, 30 years in a book and you just think, wow, that's just saved me X amount of years and dollars uh, and pain. And, and this is what I do. I take them through um, a seven-step um, coaching program. Um, and, it, and it's one-on-one -on -one, um, because everyone's story is different. And unlike the women that we coach who are happy to do one-to-many, men are very much one-to-one. -one. They, they just want to know that there's a very, very safe space around them for them to, to open up, be honest with themselves, look at the ugly side of, of what's going on in their life, but actually to be able to take action and do something with it. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It's really, it's really interesting what you say about men in that environment. So, um, you know, I've got a lot of coaches and mentors and people ask me, why do you, why? And, and I said, well, I'd rather learn from their mistakes than make the mistakes myself. And hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, and pe people think that's a really expensive way to operate, but I'm like, no, it's a, 
it's a very inexpensive way to operate because when you make those mistakes, that's when it's really expensive. Well, I did a, uh, you're so true. So I did a podcast with um, a guy, Canon Weber, recently, and he, he is all about, he's only in his 20s and he's teaching other 20 year olds how to make the most of your 20s. And, and I said to them, and, I, and this is, doesn't matter what age you are, this is the same for all of us. Basically, A, investing in yourself is the best investment you'll ever make. Um, but here's the thing. You either invest your time or you invest your money. And we've had this conversation before, and you know I've got lots of coaches and mentors. Uh, because um, here's the thing. At 50 years old, I don't have the luxury of a 20-year-old going, do you know what? I'm going to take five years to learn this. I'm going to take 10 years to really hone this. Right? And I've done lots of things in my life that have honed already <laughs> me into being who I am right now. So now it's about how do I get my message out there, but also how do I improve my training to make sure that I'm really understanding the modern man and those traits. Because obviously, when I was 40, 10 years ago, it's very different now. We live in a different world. So it's making sure that we understand what those challenges are. Um, and, and quite honestly, most of those challenges, whilst they may feel new and unique to you, it's more about the human being, the man behind those challenges, uh, because that's the thing. We're all men. We're all the same. And women are all women. And they're all the same. You may feel that your journey and it is unique to you and you are a unique individual. And that's your footprint that you leave in the world. But what you are, male, female, is what we all are. And, and that's the simplistic side of it. And what makes it quite easy to to understand what these people uh, are going through. Yeah, it's really interesting when you get when you dial it down and and peel the onion, so to speak. Um, it's it kind of boils down to whether you're being proactive with your life or reactive with your life. And it's so fascinating when you say that to someone for the first time, and they're like, "Shit, I've spent thirty years reacting to stuff." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, most of the things we do, Joe, aren't they? They're, they're, they're projecting out. And, uh, and, and again, you, we know each other really well. So we know the work that we put into ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Because there are not many people outside of our circles that do that. Everything's about projecting, projecting, projecting. And that's when we start, you know, imagine it like a tube everything that like, you've got this really full tube of saying marbles when you're born and each time you keep chucking these marbles out and then you end up with a completely empty cylinder if you're not looking inwards and, and, and saying goodness me my marbles are running out i need to i suppose maybe that's where the saying when you lose your marbles well yeah <laughs> yeah no it's good i like that yeah yeah but um, something you post on social media every week at the moment, five things I did this week to fill my cup. And that's essentially what you mean. You're refilling your marbles. It's the, you can't, you can't achieve success inverted commas, um, without the foundations and the foundational stuff is, do you feel mentally at peace? Do you feel physically at peace? Um, do you feel spiritually at peace depending on how you, you know, 
And and if the answer is no in any of those categories, it doesn't matter what material thing you've achieved, it, you'll still feel shit. Hundred percent. You know, one. I, I love, by the way, the post that I put out. It gets a huge amount of engagement. Um, the amount of messages I get and pictures people sending me in of what they're doing to fill their cup. Uh, I, I just think it's so positive. But but here's the thing: if you look at if you look at your stress levels, and if you keep pushing, 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 pushing through. If that's your base stress level and it's like so super low and then you go, this this is it, super high. So let's just say that's zero to 10. If you start your day on a seven and that's even after a night's rest, it doesn't take much for you to lose your shit. Like someone pulling in front of you or something not, someone not holding, holding the door uh, for you. Uh, a bit of road rage and, and you know it becomes who you are and the stress that that puts on the body and the mind and then you're supposed to go out and do a 10 12 14 hour day so it's so important that you do whatever you can to start your day certainly below five but the the, the magic marker is between naught and three because it takes so much then for you to actually start hitting boiling point, you know. And here's another thing as well. I, I, I put a post out the other day, and it, and it was about this. And we don't realise this because every day as a culture, we're being asked to do more things. Even when it comes to our wellness and our mental health, meditate, ice baths, exercise. Oh, and you think, goodness me, I, I, I'm doing that. But all you're doing is putting more and more things on top of what you do. What we don't do is start going, okay, let's start with what I can do less of first. So what can I do less of so I can be more? And I think this is the thing, like like we do with our wardrobe, you have to have a look at the practices that you're having in your life and start going, okay, that worked for me when I was going through that really tricky period. But now I'm going to scale that down a bit and, and I'm going to bring this in. And here's another thing as well, um, and you'll know I'm a massive fan of this, is exercise. Exercise is so important. Yeah, it's one of the first things to go when we start having mega busy days. And again, a lot of my clients spend a lot of time commuting. So they lose three to five hours a day commuting. So it's not like you can go use your time better. You know, they, they genuinely struggle with time because then they put in a 10-hour uh, day. but it's about doing these little things that will help you and micro habits. And I'm a big fan of micro habits. Like I do squats when I brush my teeth. If I know I've got a busy day, I'll do anywhere between two and five minutes of exercise a day. And that's it. You do not have to go down the gym for an hour every day to say I've done my exercise. If you do those micro habits two, three times, I had you, didn't I? We went to an event and I had you doing your squats or you're brushing your teeth. That sounds like we were sharing a room. We weren't. But... <laughs> we were not sharing a room. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really interesting you say that. And just thinking from a business owner's perspective. So um, I've recently started working with a fitness and nutrition coach that we both know, Louis. Um, and um, the way he framed it for me, and he's a smart guy. He's coming on the podcast soon. So um, the way he framed it for me was, are you performing optimally? And I, I said, 
well, what do you mean? I, I, I work hard. I show up for my clients. I've never missed a meeting. I'm never late. I don't know, are you performing optimally? And I, and I said, well, go on. He said, well, do you always get the right amount of sleep? Is your nutrition on point? Do you get the right amount of exercise? And the answer to all three of those was no. And um, he said, well, make it part of your work routine. He said, if, if you can't make it, if you can't do it for you, do it for your clients. And I was like, oh, that's, that's smart. So like, I, I'm on, um, I have to go to the gym four times a week on his routine and then do different exercises on the day, on the rest days. I've not missed a session because he's planted that seed. And it was, it was just, I was like, oh, wow, that's going to change how I approach everything. And so today I had a big meeting today but I knew that I'd done all my mental and physical prep and the difference and, and the team have noticed it, it levels off the peaks and troughs. And so my wife will be like, Oh, you don't seem very excited about that. Or you don't seem very upset about that. And I'm like, no, I am. I've just detached the emotion from it. So, and well, how have you done that? I'm like, well, I'm eating properly, sleeping properly and exercising. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing, right? Isn't it funny that those things you read about anywhere and everywhere where you start looking, looking after yourself, but it takes someone to say something that resonates with you right at that moment where you go, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. And here's the thing. You will keep doing that for a while, Joe, and then you'll stop. And then that's the point. Right now in your life, you need that. You needed to hear that. You need to do that. And then something else will change, and then you will have to find your new version of that. Yeah, yeah. Now, out of everything that you spoke about, the biggest thing there is sleep. And the biggest thing with sleep, and people go, oh, you need seven, eight hours. Well, here's the thing about sleep. We're all different. And the same with exercise and nutrition. We're all different. You have to find what works for you. But the thing with sleep the best thing about sleep is actually having the same wake-up time every day will serve you better than by saying, well, I'm having seven hours, but I'm going to bed at this time and, and, and getting up at that time. And the next night, I'm going to have six hours, but I'm going to go to bed at this time and get out. You need to create a routine for your body, your body clock. Your body clock is so important because by, by getting up at the same time, you naturally start finding yourself going to bed at the same time, all right? But then the biggest win here is your body knows what window it has to fill your cup, to start making your body perform at its optimum level. So even if you didn't exercise and your nutrition wasn't that great, you would start feeling better by just having this same wake-up time. The next thing that will happen from having the same wake-up time is you will find your willpower increases because one of, the, one of the biggest things that people don't correlate with bad sleep is bad choice. And it impacts your willpower so much that you start finding yourself, oh, I'll just quickly do that, I'll just quickly eat that. I won't go to the gym because I can't be bothered. Sleep is the contributor to all of those things. Yeah, yeah. And every business owner knows it, that if they've worked a long day and then they drive home, it's much harder to drive past a McDonald's 
if if that's the scenario you're in where you're tired, you've not had much chance to eat, those that golden arch is is very attractive when you're in that space. But if you if, if you've taken breaks and done done your steps through the day and made sure you've eaten on, on regular intervals, it's it's easy to drive past, right? I think the thing is, um, and you know how disciplined I am as as an individual around my my health, uh, my sleep, my nutrition. And by the way, I love a golden arches. It's not that I don't do it, and it's not like I just eat boiled chicken and rice. I, I have a great diet, um, but it's what you do consistently over a long period of time, and a compounding of that is is is, is where you get a great result because. We, we are so bad at looking at our life in small snapshots. And therefore, when we look to do exercise or something, we go, okay, in the next 30 days, I'll do that so I can. Or, or, or I'm on holiday soon, so I'll do that so I can. And we, we, we always play this sort of finite game with our life. And we put like these, these small chunks of time. But actually, if we, if we pulled it out, and this is something I get to do with, with my clients, is, is, we, is we pull it out and we get them to look at a much bigger picture. So if you wanted to lose weight, we, we actually look at that over the next sort of year, year and a bit. It's making those sort of 10% changes rather than drastically going, right, you can't do that. You have to do that because that's impractical. It really is. And then going back to the, the sleep and just finishing on, on, on the one comment here on sleep, when you feel better rested and you feel better in yourself, you naturally make better choices, period. You know, that's why going back to the golden arches, when you've had a drink and a late night, the next day there is nothing better than a golden arches, right? But it's a bad decision based on the bad decisions you made the night before. Yeah, so something I um I say to myself is uh, is future Joel going to thank me for this? And and you really start having some interesting conversations with yourself when you start thinking like that. Well, here's a question that I ask um, any new client when they come on board is once we go through a few bits and pieces, I will say, how committed to your life are you? And they go, yeah, 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 I'm committed. I'm, yeah, yeah, absolutely, I'm up for this and all that. And like, okay, no, no, no. How committed are you? Because that level of commitment, because when you start talking about, oh, I want, I don't know, I want this six-pack or I, I, want a, I want a great relationship with my wife or I want to start working there, you're saying all this stuff, but your actions and your commitment are not aligned with what you're saying. And the amount of people that will look at me and, you, you know, like for my 50th birthday, I set myself a challenge to do, to do a human flag uh, in 120 days. And, and I did it and it took a lot of effort. It took a lot of discipline, a lot of focus and also some additional coaching from the right people that, that, that can get me to do that. Um, but the byproduct of that was my body shape changed, really, really looked healthy. I got my body fat down to 8%. Uh, and again, it wasn't following any strict diet on that. It's just my commitment to that challenge was actually non-negotiable. And I think you could see um, 
that what I said was what I did. And I think that's something we went to an event, Neil Shoney's event, and a guy was speaking there, not the last one, but the, the one before that. Joel Parrish um, said this. He said, if your client was to follow you around for a day, would they be impressed? And I think that's what we need to look at ourselves. And if you don't have those clients like Louis, for example, he, he's a fitness um, instructor um, and, and, and a coach. Um, he deals with very much um, that, that sort of 20 to 30-year-old market, but he, he is a rarity where he does lead by example. Um, but there'd be other people to go, well, my, my, my clients don't see me, so it doesn't really matter. Okay, well, if your clients don't see you, would, would your daughter be impressed? So I'll tell, you, I'll tell you an honest truth now. You'll like this. So when we went to that event, when we were there, I met my current um, coach for the first time. So the guy that was coaching me for gym, nutrition, mindset. And um, I mean, he might listen to this podcast, but tough shit basically um he didn't in person he didn't live up to what he claimed and it really hit me hard um i was like shit that like and i knew that things weren't right anyway but then i i was like shit like you're not living by the values that you're asking me to live by and subconsciously from that moment i was like you'll never be able to hold me accountable again because it's just it's not how it works. And then, so I had a really deep moment that evening, um, which was the first night of this event where I sat and I was thinking about things. And I was like, this all comes back to self-worth. Like through, through your 20s, through your late teens, your 20s, your early 30s, you spend all this time trying to do things to prove to yourself that you can. And it might be because you've got dad issues. It might be because you want to prove the teacher that scolded you at school wrong it might be because you want to show off to women whatever it is you're building a business or you're building a body or you're um building a house as a, as a in a bloke sense a dick swinging contest and then when you look at it in more depth it's like the only person i'm trying to prove any worth to here is myself and until i learn to love myself this is none of this is going to matter and and that's so then I got chatting to Louis and Louis was like, Bloody hell man, that's a bit deep. I think I can help. And on we go, sort of thing. But it's really fascinating how uh there are coaches out there. Obviously, you're not one of them, Louis's not one of them, Neil Shoney's not one of them, Joe Parrish is not one of them. We're just reeling off ex podcast guests, to be honest. Um but that are just peddling bullshit. They they don't practice what they preach and that, like, I don't know how they can look themselves in the mirror. I think the biggest issue I have about coaches, and as, as we know, it's, a, it's an unregulated um, marketplace. And that, 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 by the way, doesn't make it a bad marketplace. But, but here's the thing, and, I, and, and I've said this um, on many occasions. You, if you want someone to help you through an experience, that person, if they've just read books on that experience, that experience, and and got some qualifications or accreditations, bought a franchise. I, yeah, I still don't feel that they're the right person because 
it is like I remember years ago when someone said to me uh, about having children. And I would go, yeah, 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 you know, I totally get that because I've got loads of cousins and nieces yeah, yeah. and I've nephews. Got a dog. I totally get, <laughs> yeah, I totally get that, totally get that. And then you become a dad and then you're like that. I didn't have a fucking clue. Yeah, and I think, yeah. and, that, and that is the reality with the coaching. The, the reason that my coaching program works is not only do I walk the walk that I want them to walk now, you know, that that when they get to the end of it, but I have been through the pain that they have been through. And yes, there are coaches out there that have far more letters after their name, a lot more accreditations and degrees and that. But part of my coaching is me being out to mentor through my personal experience. And I went through so many things. And it's not just one aspect of midlife that didn't work for me. It was every aspect of midlife. And also, a lot of that was down to me just being a typical bloke. And like you say, having to prove my part to everyone else, that teacher, where I come from, the people I surrounded myself with, all that dick-waving stuff, that was me. Yeah, yeah. And now it's not. And I think, you know, I still see people from my past, you know, like, bloody hell, you've changed, and I'm like, that's brilliant. I should bloody hope so, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The amount of money and time I've spent, absolutely and and that's the thing and i meet people where they are there's no judging everyone's feeling their feels right i meet them where they are and i can give them the empathy not because i read it in a book but because i lived it that's it that's the key thing and i hoped you'd say that is it's empathy not sympathy because somebody who's learned it from a book or done a degree um but not lived it they can sympathise, but nobody needs a pat on the back or a, or or you know a cuddle. What they need is how to go, get the guide away from the cliff edge. Is 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 the the extreme analogy, but that's a really difficult thing to package up in our society. People don't understand um, the kind of "don't judge someone until you've walked a mile in their shoes" type. Thing they just like they just look at it from a surface level and go, oh well, they've gone off the rails, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you don't you don't know what people are going through, and and this is another thing as well with with my coaching is I don't I don't sit there going I'm the expert, my way is the only way. It's not. But here's the thing: I am an expert in what I've been through, and I'm also an expert in how I went from burnt out to on fire. I know what that journey took. And this goes back to the comment that you said earlier, you can take 10 years if you want and go through what I went through. Right? And obviously that's the 10 years. That, that wasn't the build-up to those 10 years. That was the aftermath of those, let alone the money I've invested and the time. Right? Or I can catch you just before any of that happens. I. Right? 
and we can make some changes, some positive changes, get you feeling great about yourself, get you reconnected to your life, your family, more importantly, your future, right? And actually save, save on all those costs that by continuing doing what you're doing will happen to you. I think the biggest thing for me when all this happened is my entire identity went. And I actually then got depressed for nearly four years. And it was the grief of losing that identity, who I thought I was, and the people in my life and everything else tied to it had the biggest impact for me. Not, not the life-changing heart condition, not losing everything. And I mean, from going into any shop I want, looking at tops and going, yeah, I'll, I'll have that one, that one, that one, to actually going into online, or going into, looking at online stores and going, oh, it's 20 quid for those trousers. I'll wait till next month. That's, yeah. yeah. But the biggest thing, the biggest impact on me was how I felt inside. And that's, that's the thing. We spend our lives chasing everything. And we do not spend enough time working on, on, on our insides, who we are, the awareness we have, absolutely our purpose. Yeah. And, you know, you and I both do a lot of work on purpose. and. Um just that kind of would we if my wife was watching would would she be proud of what she could see that kind of that kind of mentality but it's it's fascinating when you do a lot of that work the things i've really noticed in my life the friends i've let go of that's that's a mega one and it i felt like a savage for the sort of first 12 months that i was doing it but it's a, it's a big relief the family members i've let go of but it has to happen um the the tv i don't watch anymore the the books i don't read anymore the clothes i don't wear anymore the thoughts i don't have anymore all these things start to mount and like the analogy you used before about clearing out the wardrobe you end up with one or two shirts and it feels great but you know the funny thing as well when you've got one or two shirts it's very easy to make decisions yeah, yeah you go yeah. i'll wear that one or that one when you've got 50 60 Life's cluttered. It's difficult to make decisions. It's difficult to move forward. It's difficult to move past situations. And I think it's here's the thing: when when you when you finally realise that what you're currently doing isn't working for you, and it might be a relationship, you might be in a job. It, it's it, a circumstance doesn't mean that you've wasted all that time to get to that point but what is definite is if you carry on then you're wasting time now what makes it so hard and this is what you're referring to is those those tough choices you have to make in the beginning to do what's right for you not what's expected from you you know you need to go through some short-term pain for long-term gain. 
and you may not like the choices that you've got to make, but you always have a choice. And the moment you continue, you choose, by the way, to do nothing. That's a choice. And that's when you can start really, really losing respect for yourself, your life, and what's going on around you. And, and, and they can be dangerous times. So, Nick, you've been an awesome guest. I've got two more questions for you. One quite serious, one not very serious at all. Um, what's the best mistake you've ever made? The best mistake I've ever made is all those mistakes that I told you about earlier. Because right now in my life, I, I am the happiest and most fulfilled I've ever been. Back when all that stuff was going on, I was searching for love. I felt unloved. I was in a relationship. I felt alone. Right now, you know my wife, my beautiful wife. I am so loved. My children, they love me. The people I hang around with, they love me. My cup is full, but I would not be the guy I am today had I not fucked up on that spectacular level back then. Love that. Love that. I'm sorry you fucked up, but I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, it's like anything. You go, if I, if I could just take away that pain, you know, but here's the thing. It was the pain that taught me. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was everything, every part of that that made me get to where I am today. I had a very similar conversation with someone the other day. That, I mean, you know some of my story. The listeners know some of my story. They're like, oh, what, you know, if you could change some of those traumatic things that have happened to you, what would you do? And I said, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm not changing anything. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, they're the best things that ever happened to me. Why? Why? Because they made me who I am today. It's so important. It really is. And you have to feel them, right? And you take part of that away. You take such, you know, the compounding learning from those things that happened to you, that happened to me, is, is unquantifiable. And I think that's why it's, it's tragic that we have to go through trauma we have to go through something that bad for us to evolve but that's what it takes science evidence and everything like that saying you should do this and should it's not enough you have to feel that feel whatever it is for you for you to then have your light bulb moment and go wow i need to change this isn't working for me yeah, the whole um, the darkness comes before the dawn. That's the hundred percent true. There's a reason. And my lighter question: <laughs> What's your favourite film and why? <laughs> well, I don't. I don't want to date this episode, but it is. It is coming up to um, to the Christmas season. Oh, and, here we go. Uh, it's it's got to be Elf. I love. Oh, that's not. I thought when you said date this episode, I thought we were gonna. Go way back. Elf's not. Elf's not. No, no, no. It's because it's, it's we're coming up to Christmas. We've okay. already been speaking about it. Uh, we watched a few little um, clips where Will Ferrell was doing some interviews for his new film uh, that he's got out. But we just, we just love the joy it brings. And again, I, it's not just a film. It's the, the sort of theatre around it, getting ready with the kids and sitting down and, 
you know, getting cozy and having the food and drink and then just and then just laughing at the same jokes, laughing at the same bits. And uh, yeah, so for me, health. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love that about Christmas films in general that you can kind of like get a few nibbles in the oven, uh, make some hot chocolate, pour a glass of wine, whatever it is, light the fire, and then even though you did exactly the same thing last year, it's still just as special each time. Um, and that experiential thing's amazing, but I think I think it's a cheat answer. I'm not going to lie, you know, because <laughs> it's not because of the film. You're saying it because of everything else. But you know, the funny thing is, Joel, right? I, I watched such a variety of films. Um, so recently went to the theatre and uh, or the cinema and um, watched Wakanda Forever. Black Panther. No spoilers. Massive, Haven't seen it yet. Going tomorrow. No, massive Marvel fan. But that is something I do with one of my daughters. The other daughters, oh my God, can't stand it. Uh, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So that that's my favourite film with her. And then as a collective, when the girls were younger, um, and that's all three, Enchanted. Uh, 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 it's, uh, it's such, again, such happy memories. And the second one has just come out, and we're all planning when we're gonna when we're all gonna sit down. Did and you watch never it. make them watch the Rocky films? Uh, no, <laughs> Mister Trick. I, I may end up getting a black eye trying to make them watch. I it. didn't. I didn't let. I didn't let my wife marry me till we'd watched all of the Rocky films. <laughs> That's actually a true story. <laughs> love that. Love that. So, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, well, if, if, if people want to reach out to me, uh, they can follow me at this guy is on fire on Instagram. Uh, my personal account on Instagram is uh, Lord Feeney. There's a story for that. I'll save that for another time. It's just pretentious. It's just pretentious. That's why. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and also um, check my website out, thisguysonfire.com. Wicked. Thanks for being an awesome guest. Thanks for having me, Joe.